I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Taking a fucking corner, the ball coming back to and volleying it out of play for a throw-in on the opposite wing... In your half? Like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. And there was a frozen pool of vomit outside my front door this morning. <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Got a lot of feedback from last week's show. People marveling in the joy of it all. People loving the positivity. Well, I hope you enjoyed the fucking giddiness of that episode because you're not getting any of it here. Now we're a long way from that today. Very, very, very disappointing performance at Spurs. We were under par, we were sloppy, but I think the worst of it all was that uh, there was just a lot of stupidity lying in that display. It was it was a very immature show, and I thought. And it was golem because Spurs started slowly and I've never heard a home crowd more willing and ready to turn on their team and their manager but we didn't even give them that opportunity to turn on them and actually Dean Smith mentioned that afterwards as well he mentioned the the, the home fans are going to be on top of them and that's something that they wanted to go after and Villa just didn't go after it outside the first 10 minutes and even then didn't really create any chances like I, I, we don't even have the Rossenthal award like you and I were getting worried that Villa were missing a lot of chances or maybe just not being incisive enough with the chances that they had. I have one thing down here. We might as well get it out of the way now. It was Matt Target's cross for Danny Ings. He probably should have hit it first time and he, he tried to take a touch and ended up hitting a weak shot on the swivel. Like That's the only real chance that I remember outside of Watkins' goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, there's maybe one or two other ones for one for Target. Two for Target, maybe at the back post. The Ings one, yeah, it was... Brilliant football, great ball from target, then a dreadful decision from Ings not to take it first time, and a dreadful first touch after he makes that dreadful decision. I think it was dreadful, Connor. <laughs> no, good word, good word to start to show. It was dreadful, it was a dreadful day. Dean Smith used a nice word as well, untidy. thought that summed it up perfectly. 
Um, we'll just get straight into the goals. One nil. Like they're all they're all a bit of a mess as well. So this all starts with McGinn passing a ball short. Now he's under a bit of pressure. Mings Mings needs to take the yellow there. He's actually determined not to foul. For whatever fucking reason, he's got his hands up, he moves out of the way. Trip him, get into him, stop him running. You know your midfielder has just given the ball away, you know you're on the halfway line. We're, we're caught out, get that man down, take the yellow, give out to John McGinn, you've had to take a yellow. We've got Twanzebe on the bench if it's a big fucking deal. Anyway, um, ends up with House holding up Son. Uh, Konza has left two on, two on one inside, I think it's Kane and Mora. And then Ramsey, like... Ramsey and McGinn are very slow. Like McGinn's dragging his arse coming back. Ramsey does get back, but he gets drawn over towards House where Louise has gone. And it's fair enough that Louise has gone there initially because it's on on House and we'll get to the second goal. <laughs> so, so Louise goes over there to double up. And then Ramsey decides to go over and make a third. And that just leaves Heuberg standing completely free of all the time in the world. And like Kanza can't get out to him quick enough because he has Kane and Mora inside. He just has to watch Villa's fate unfold. Yeah, I mean, that goal had everything I hate about this Aston Villa team. The persistent irritants that we have been unable to shake in two years. McGinn backing in, trying to play the ball. If you're walking backwards away from the ball, it's a lot harder to hit it. You're going <laughs> to under-hit it. And then, who's he trying to play it to, of course? Tyrone Mings, watching the game of football that he's supposed to be playing in. Just waiting for... John McGinn to do something instead of being on his toes and ready to react. And then you're right, he doesn't react. He doesn't do the right thing again. Douglas Louise parting the sea, going out of his way to get out of the way. I think you're being very kind to him. He's the, he's the centre midfielder. He has to hold that position. And then the rest of our players and Ramsey is the chief culprit just chasing the ball instead of figuring out what the picture is on the pitch and reacting to that. Chasing the ball instead of appreciating that Douglas Louise is his midfield partner and he's not in the position he's supposed to be in. It was an absolute shit show. And it was a shit show of the first half, mostly. Um, the second goal, then what I liked, or sorry, the Villa's equaliser, sort of came out of nowhere, if we're being honest. Villa, I get the, the party line is Villa started well in the second half. They looked a bit more on it for a few minutes, which is what you'd expect at the very, very least. They didn't create anything. They did create this goal then out of nowhere when they started to to lose a grip of the game again. And what I liked about this was that I felt I felt Tottenham were very happy to let Courtney Howes have the ball in space. It was like a like a trap. Like it's it's very probably basic stuff now for for opposing managers to do. Like the stat that came out after the United game was that Armand Basaka had most of the ball in that game by a distance, and that's you know that's not Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer planning that. That's Dean Smith planning that. <laughs> let Wamasaka have the ball, like mark up everybody else, let's see what he can do with it. Um, so I was a bit worried that, that Howes was getting trapped on the ball, kept coming back to him, Konza takes it and drives out, he commits two players, somebody now has to move away and come after him, somebody has to come towards him because Konza is driving forward. He forces Watkins to take the ball in a bad area, under pressure, which is what I want to see more of, especially if we're playing two up top, especially if they're two good ball players. Anyway, Watkins struggles a little bit because he is under a lot of pressure. Konza gets right back up, gets it back, gets it to Ramsey. Ramsey finds Ings, finds Target. Watkins, in fairness to him, has moved all the way back into the box in this razor quick time. And it's a good ball and it's a good finish. 
Yeah, it's it's brilliant from Konza to step in and get the ball around the corner eventually, and it's brilliant from Ramsey to do the same thing and flick the ball around the corner just as he's about to be absolutely cleaned. And then it's perfect from Target and perfect from Watkins in the midst of an absolutely terrible game of football. <laughs> I was just going to say, look, listen to the tone of the two of us there talking about this goal, this good goal <laughs> that Villa scored. Uh, let's get to 2-1 here. It only lasted three minutes. Um, Courtney Howes trying to parallel park in a crowded street here. Like he looked like he looked like he had cement slabs in his boots. You were like somebody's about to be drowned by a a, a mafia or a, a mobster in one of those films. Just to t- to tie your ankles and put cement on you and going to throw you into the river. Like Son just lines him up and skips by him so easily. Um, and it's just put in and, and Target and Mora are sliding in. I mean, yeah, like to allow Son to isolate House is just unforgivable stuff. I mean, that can't be allowed to happen. Where where has Kanza gone? There was a there was an annoying period there, and I just they just couldn't get back into shape. Where House was on the right hand side, and I was looking at this, thinking, "Jesus, lads, come on, sort this out." And then I forgot about it, and then the goal comes down that side because it's happened. And a large part of the problem is because Kanza is pushed up and pressurizing Man United's players as they're receiving the ball means that you're exposing yourself to Greenwood so it's worth it I mean you're, you're gaining a lot for the risk of one player breaking through on his own but pushing up on a Spurs team that have Kane dropping off and Mora, Son and, and Dombele breaking through the middle is idiotic like if you're defending while facing your own goal against this Spurs team then your team is really poorly set up and you should be embarrassed that's exactly what they want and you cannot give it to them and you cannot allow a situation to develop where House is on his heels against fucking Son. Well, let's take one of the nominations for the ULEC Glenn Whedon take a 90th minute penalty award. And we'll, we'll talk about it right here because we've got enough nominations there to talk about when we get to it in the award categories. <laughs> like, what, what was with the decision to play three at the back against Son? Like, that, that, is, that is bonker stuff, right? Like, it's just leaving him all the space in the world. Kanza does brilliantly on him a lot of the time but like what why are you leaving that scenario unfold like like we we talked about it against united it was one of the good things against united that the target and cash were so high up but like you say it's it's not pogba on the left anymore it's son it's kane dropping it's not ronaldo who's not getting involved and it's mora at the other side against three big center backs it's it's i don't know i feel like this isn't this isn't hindsight stuff. I feel like there should have been a bit more foresight looking at that. I know Villa have been playing well, but surely that's where they're going to get hurt. Yeah, like it's it's obviously difficult to to change a team that have played so well for three or four games in a row. But yeah, you like you have to like this was this was the positivity of seeing the three five two as well. Sorry, a large part of it was seeing oh here's another way we can play, and I thought that's what it was. I thought this was another way that we can play. I didn't think we were just going to blindly play this system against every team i mean it's it's absolute madness we ended up playing three center backs against three forwards it's stupid stuff doesn't make any sense three forwards here all fast and in double just constantly breaking through the middle then so it was commonly four on three because douglas louise might as well have not been there it's insanity for smith and really really embarrassing for smith to have gone out with that system against that spurs team I'm, I'm, i'm really surprised and disappointed no, me too. And just a word for Kanza, and we shouldn't really have to have a word for him because 
again, he shouldn't have been put in that situation. I was very impressed with how he handled Son for the most part. But again, why is he the one handling him? He's supposed to be organizing the back and being that rock in the middle. But I, I, like, I love like it's it's in stark contrast with how how he's dealt with him at the end, and they're different players. In fairness, but you know, Conza was just matching Son toe for toe in so many of their runs, and it really shows the agility of him and the sharpness of him. It reminded me of like. You know when somebody's coming at him, he reminded me of Terminator 2, Judgment Day, the, the T-1000, when he gets shot, and there's a hole emerges <laughs> in his body, and it just, you know, the solder appears, it's melted, and it just comes back together. Like, and that, that's what Sans, like, Kanz is like when somebody's running at him, even somebody as lethal as Son, like, he was just able to go for, with him stride for stride, and... Nah, like again, it was just another example of of somebody. Like you know, there's so many times that Matt Cash got sat down on the wing and then just left Conza completely isolated, and he dealt with it. But once again, I'm annoyed that he had to keep dealing with it. Yeah, it's it's really annoying, and without wanting to preempt the environment meter, I mean, Conza is the only player that would be in any sort of danger of going up. There was one really awkward bouncing ball that he decided he was going to head back to Martinez, but when Kane reads it, he changes his mind and nudges it to house that came not that long after an incredible lunge and tackle to end or disrupt a counter-attack the recovery tackle to block i think it was mora after house's touch and i'm being very kind to call it a touch and it just bobbled <laughs> back out to son he drove through the middle for the goal like yeah kanza kanza comes out at least neutral after that yeah. performance and comfortably the best player, which says a lot. And uh, just a confirmation, I think we had questioned this last week about the shot statistics from Sky Sports um, because the stat that was going around was 28 shots from Man United and they still couldn't beat Aston Villa with all those shots. And we were like, are they counting shots that are blocked from 30 yards out that are going into somebody who's two metres away from them? Turns out they are. The Brighton Arsenal game from yesterday... I think Brighton had 21 shots. And I immediately looked at that and thought, hang on, what's going on here? Now, they still had 14 proper shots, but um, seven of them were blocked down. And when you think of somebody like Kanza, who's somebody who deals with these pathetic attempts, of, like, they're basically losing the ball when somebody's taking a shot into Kanza, who's so close to them. Just confirmation on that. They do not count as shots. Sky Sports need to fucking get over. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to WhatsApp winges. Okay, WhatsApp winges, you can imagine they're pretty stacked today. I'll start with the first one. It's quite funny. Um, <laughs> I wrote this down after 35 minutes. I'd take Watkins off right now. <laughs> I was fucking being serious as well at the time. So pissed off. Just losing the ball constantly. I, I, I can't remember a 35-minute period like that for Villa where he's lost the ball more. I just wanted him to wake up, sharpen up, stop losing the ball. And I, you know, I like a big statement. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, you know, I get paranoid about a player who's uh, thinking he's going to get away with an underperformance. So I just thought, take him off, let him know who's boss, show him that that's not good enough, show the rest of the team as well. Yeah, I mean, like, look, individually and as a unit, I'm struggling to remember a worse performance and everybody was culpable. It had the the nightmare alliance of everything and nothing, everything bad that you associate with football on the pitch and from the sideline, and nothing positive, just nothing good. I mean, <laughs> most of the players, and Watkins is a big part of it, the players look like their studs were too long, like they were just stuck 
in the mud. They were waiting for the ball to come to them, blissfully unaware that the Spurs players wanted a touch as well. And the few times that they got on it, and particularly Watkins in that first 35 minutes, they wanted an extra second and they they wanted it to do something utterly obvious that rendered completely pointless by the delay because you're playing against professional footballers. They know that pass is on. They've played thousands of games of football. Do something different instead of just exactly what they want you to do. And Ollie Watkins was absolutely criminal for it in the box, stopping, standing, and then just doing the thing he could have done anyway. This is the thing that marked Villa out in a bad way during the bad years there in the last decade. They, they they were making those obvious passes. Like I, I I was going through a stage where I thought I'm watching too many good teams play football to be watching Villanoy because it's annoying. <laughs> like you know, just just consider the ball going from the left wing to the right wing. Villa would make four passes to get it over there, and the other team would just shift across. Wouldn't even have to shift across; they would just be naturally going across with the ball. And you know, a better team just do that in one pass or two passes, or they do it disguised where the other team. Are imbalanced, or their their weight is going somewhere else. They just do something they they change the pace and the direction of the game. Do something they open up a team. And when Villa were bad, and they were bad a lot during that run, they were doing this predictable, safe, pointless stuff over and over. And that's what you were getting today. That's that's why we didn't create any chances. Yeah, but how many times did you see an Aston Villa player stop the ball and then wind up? A shot into somebody's feet. That happened four or five times. Have the fucking shot. Or now that the player has committed to blocking it, don't hit it off the player who's committed. Do something. The player's giving you another option now. Don't just wind up a shot so obvious that everyone in the stadium can see it and then take that shot. It's madness. But th- this was happening in so many... Like, th- that was annoying, right, what you're saying? Because it started... I was laughing initially the first seven minutes, maybe ten, probably generous. I was thinking, <laughs> Villa are just a good team. This is great. Like, they were just winning the ball off Spurs. They were all pushed up, man on man. But then what happened then was it just completely flipped, where, where Villa were just giving the ball away. They were turning around, surprised that there was a Spurs player there. And then, like, that wasn't just stuff that was happening on the ball, technically. It was a mindset then. Like, I... I, I... It was Ramsey, I think somebody like Mora or somebody like that was about to cross. Might like might have been target on all their stage where like you know when somebody goes to block across, they just sell themselves, they either jump into the air or they throw a leg in there. And these other players are good where they don't cross it into that leg, like Villa would be. <laughs> they just run on all their step and they get all the space in the world because you're standing there with your leg out or you're you're two feet in the air, like waiting to come back down. Like it was it just filtered in. To their heads and it just it lined the performance that 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 just sloppiness of of conceding yourself in every way oh like they, they were they were tackling and blocking like it was a five a side game and work and you were afraid I, I of hurting would be pissed off if somebody was tackling and blocking like that in a five a side game it, yeah so would i but whenever you're doing it in work people are afraid are afraid of hurting or offending anybody so that's just what they do you don't do that at the fucking spurs stadium like what are you doing like that that's insane yeah it was exactly that standing on one foot and then throwing out a left leg behind themselves it's like what like he's caught inside he's sawing he's still got the ball i've seen this lad run on top of the ball and still keep control of it run for two foot with the ball underneath himself you think he's throwing out a leg like a moron what are you doing did did you see salah's goal there against man city 
Like, yeah. it, <laughs> imagine how you like, you won't have to do any of that against Villa. He'll just fucking whistle by them because they'll all be already planted like ballerinas with one leg in there. <laughs> um, yeah, bad, bad day. Second, what's up, Wings? Do you know what the most annoying thing about this team is? It's when the ball trickles out to the halfway line when Villa have a team penned in from a set piece. And it just rolls out to Matt Target in the centre of the pitch. Because all he does then is just floats it back in. And, like, you know, we could talk about how much better our set pieces have been. But when it comes to that, we need to figure out a different fucking strategy. Because all he's doing then is floating it back in. There's somebody who's either offside or they're never going to win it anyway because they're outnumbered. Jesus, how'd you get that all into one WhatsApp message? <laughs> You'd be thankful I didn't send that to you. <laughs> Imagine you trying to read that as Spurs are getting another chance. Yeah, like that is something that, that kept happening today. And th- the way Matt Target was shaping every ball did just render it completely pointless because it was just being floated to the back post. And Spurs are an incredibly reductive side. I mean, so they're really well set up for long balls into the box. I think at one stage the commentator said that Spurs had the fewest shots and the lowest distance covered of any team in the Premier League this season. And that is exactly what you'd expect from a Nuno Espirito Santo team, yeah. especially one that has had the luck that has the luxury of the individual attacking and creative ability of Son, Kane, Mora, and Ndombele. It's it's the Jose Mourinho school of management that this lad that this lad pilfers. You know, you lads figure out how to score a goal and I'll convince these lads to keep it tight and to beat cunts. Like I've, I've, I've said it before, he's unbelievably boring and reductive and at the risk of coming across like Sam Allardyce, we can't allow the fact that he has a cool name trick us into thinking that he's anything but a reductive, boring bastard. And that's what makes today all the worse for us and all the more embarrassing for Smith and the players because they just fell into that trap. Like, Spurs were camped at the edge of their own box, all these big lumps playing two defensive midfielders who are huge men as well, and just floating balls towards the back post. Yeah. It was fucking pathetic. Third WhatsApp winch, and we're going to come back to this fella in the fifth. <laughs> I don't know how many times I'm going to have to watch Douglas Louise convincingly curl a ball out of or for a throw-in. <laughs> I think I know what the fifth one's going to be. Because yeah. he was convincingly whipping the ball into the front post an awful lot as well. <laughs> Douglas Louise had an absolute nightmare of a performance on the ball and and defensively. And Douglas Louise is one of those players, you can tell after four minutes that you should be taking this lad off because he's not getting any better. <laughs> Whenever he starts a game badly, he plays the game badly and he finishes it atrociously. It's uh, the Algazi syndrome. You just, you just know it's not going to happen, or you know it is going to happen. Um, fourth WhatsApp winch. Nah, fuck off, Matt Cash. What's the point of two strikers if cunts like this are going to shoot from 30 yards? <laughs> that that wasn't the most annoying thing about that. The most annoying thing about that was that he lined it up and the defenders once again committed themselves. And he had loads of space to run into. So everybody thought he was having a shot. Eric Dyer's out there with his hands behind his back doing a Matt Target tackle, one foot in the air. And Matt Cash still just has the shot and absolutely scuffs it. 
from 30 yards out. Imagine scuffing a shot from 30 yards out. If you're going to miss a shot from 30 yards out, it better be because you put too much behind it, not too fucking little. Run into that space now and have a shot from closer in. Run into that space, play it to the one of the two lads because Eric Dyer has decided not to defend anymore. We really do. If we're going to play these two, two good strikers, like one of them's the England squad, the other one's probably feeling hard done by it. He's not like, we need to start giving them the ball. Like, yeah, I don't mind. Like, Matt Cash obviously scored a screamer against Everton, but I don't want them dragging the ball wide tamely like that. Like, <laughs> you're right. He, he And he hit it like that because those, those statues were planted in his way. So he thought, okay, right, I have to, I have to hit it to the other side now, even though it's going to be wide if I hit it to that side but that's the only way to get it past these statues that are in front of me. So I'll just drag it wide here pointlessly and I'll ignore these two really good strikers up top. Again, like Villa just aren't getting enough out of them. Yeah, and th- that's just the thing that irritates me the most is, is not reacting to what has happened on the pitch. You can't make a decision and then just commit to that decision regardless of the reality of the football pitch that you're on. <sighs> Last one. Is Douglas Louise a space cadet? <laughs> is he? Like, so this, like this, all probably stems. Like, the biggest frustration of this is the song stuff in the corner, right? You have to consider, right? There were five minutes added on the Villa fans. Went insane. They were like, happy days. We've got a chance. Do you know what happened in those five minutes of out of time? Douglas Louise took... made five fouls. <laughs> Basically, Villa took a throw. John McGinn tries to fucking cross it. Crosses out of play. Find a week's wages. Spur... <laughs> Spurs win a corner. And, and they got two free kicks. And the ref blows it up early. Like, that's, that, that's, that's what happened. Villa, like, Villa didn't get a touch of the ball. And... Oh, no, no, no. They, no, they did. Tyrone Mings got a touch of the ball Don't inside you know. his own box. I'm going to come back to that fucking point as well. In the Peter Rankin what the fuck award. The only touch of the ball he got, he decided to turn around and lell her out of play. But, yeah. like And, and the rest of the time, like Douglas Louise is just barging into Son's back. He, he knows this is what he wants to do. And he's just giving him the free kick in the corner every time. It's, it was absolutely insane. And I was watching this as well, and one of the short corners was taken, and they both go running into his back. Has anyone ever tried to do something slightly more interesting? Just run around him, and one of these are now facing him. Why has nobody ever tried that? Both of you just running up his arse. Just go to the front of him, where the ball is. Yeah. He can't get out backwards, so one of these can commit forwards. It's grand. And, and the thing is, when a team are in that... Uh, mode, their shape is different. So, like, let him come inside. He's he's on his own. Like, you know, Harry Kane might be in there. Nobody cares about him. So, like, the rest of the team are set up to not concede that goal in injury time. So, just, just like, take that risk. Yeah, go around the outside. Let him come inside. Once he comes inside, you can take the ball off him. He's going to have to do something that will put the possession in jeopardy. Ah, like, and the way he's just barging into him and then letting him roll around injured. Like, so, like I say, there was a corner. There were, I think there were. There was a corner, there were two free kicks and a throw-in. And uh, one time, the throw-in came from Tyrone Mings. <laughs> and this was all in five minutes. Like, or four minutes and 50-odd seconds. And the ref just thought, ah, fucking Villa aren't getting back into this. Villa didn't get one sight of Spurs' half in that period. 
No, I know. And the ref actually blew it up five seconds early whenever Son overhit a cross out to the corner flag for Harry Kane. He was like, I'm not watching this again. I can't watch Douglas <laughs> Louise run into Harry Kane's back. <laughs> oh, anyway, let's get to the awards categories. Important for everybody is just, just fucking relax. When I say that Jack Reedish is a bad touch, I still know that Jack Reedish is amazing. <laughs> This is football. This is most of the enjoyment of football. Watching it in real time and dissecting it and picking it apart and chatting about it. That's why we watch football. We're not involved. We're not involved with Aston Villa Football Club. It's fine. We can all have a reasonable discussion. We've invested so much of our lives, our time and our money into football and Aston Villa. We're allowed to complain about it. People make a mistake in thinking that you have to support everything that the club you support does. You don't. You know, I support Aston Villa, so if one of the players is shit, I don't want that player being there anymore, and I'll support him whenever he's playing. I'm not willing him to be shit. Yeah. But when he is shit after the game, it's okay to say that, because you might want to replace him. You're not going to get any better by just constantly saying, no, no, I think he's good enough, I think we should stick with Nyland. Alright, I mentioned that John McGinn's getting fined a week wages for trying to cross the ball and hitting the straight out for a goal kick. Matt Cash joins him yet again. Like, you know, Matt Cash didn't get paid the week he scored that screamer against Everton because of this. Well, <laughs> well he didn't get paid in my head. But uh, it's just not on. Like, Jacob Ramsey is sort of, um, you know, people might be wondering why is he not getting fined. Jacob Ramsey was an in-swinger. So at least, at least he's aiming in that direction. These guys, like John McGinn does it with his right foot from the right wing, Matt Cash does it with his right foot from the right wing. They're they're aiming to put it back out away from that byline and they can't do it. They're hitting it out of play for a goal kick. Jacob Ramsey's is at least whipping in with an inswinger. That's exactly what you want them to do, just to take a bit a bit of purchase off. I'm not happy with him, but he's still getting his wages this week. Oh, he'll be delighted with that. Yeah. Um take a bit of purchase off. I think Jacob Ramsey could have taken about twenty meters off that. It was that was also shambolic. The two lads though, it's 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 horrible. Bit more forgivable for John McGinn because it's his right foot. But also the fact that that was a big moment. We had just gotten yeah. through around the back. We needed a goal desperately. And he just like he could have taken a touch. He had so much time. It was on it was on a volley. It was his right foot. Maybe he shouldn't even have played it that first time. Ah, there's so many the decision making and the execution both terrible Matt Cash though he, he has, to, has to stop making a habit of this he has to grow up that's what he has to do um, <laughs> the Peter Enkelman what the fuck award uh, Tyrone Mings passing the ball straight out of play with, with target honestly 10 metres away from him he just he just drills it out he's just trying to play a simple in-step pass that you would do when you're just warming up walking onto that five-a-side pitch you talk about and he just he just can't do it. He hits it straight out of play. And this is this is about half an hour after he heads the ball out of play as well without looking. So one of those ones where the ball's been cleared by Spurs, it comes down to Tyrone Mings. He's free, trying to play it over to the left, but he's not looking who's on the left. Nobody's on the left. He just he just passes it out twice on the left wing for a throw in. Yeah, passes it out towards his own goal with the header as well. I mean, he was at it all game. Like Tyrone Mings was clearing the ball into the air like you wouldn't believe. He was, 
he was he was playing like whichever poor bastard had to play in nets during knockout or Wembley or World Cup, whatever you want to call it. And he's just kicking the ball back into play. Here you go, lads. Who wants it? Have another go at scoring there. It's fucking pathetic. Can, can I can I just jump in and give you the second nomination? Is, <laughs> is Tyrone Mings trying to hit the ball over something? <laughs> if he was, like, so, fair play, he nailed it. It was so, so irritating. That was the, easily... Easily the most irritating thing about that game was his just absolute reluctance to take a touch and pass the ball. It was like he was told, now these guys are going to be closing you down, so absolutely well it whenever it comes anywhere near you. It was the insane stuff. And like the, the angle on the ball, who was he playing it to? Like what was he expecting to happen there? Here you go, Mings, control this. I, I don't know. I, I think... I, the only thing I can compare it to is when you're running around the streets and you're trying to kick the ball over a house and you're somebody's at the other side. Like, let's see if I can get it over. So you're just loping it into there as high as you can to show off how high you can kick the ball. It, it, it was Alex McLeish stuff. I did I did stats in one of the games that Alex McLeish was managing Villa for. And you won't believe this. 70% of the passes went into the air. And that, like, that includes... You know, the defenders passing the ball to each other during the game. 70% of the all the passes in the game went up into the air above the head. Like, that's how I measured any pass above the head. It was cosmic stuff from Alex McLeish. And now Tyrone Mings is channeling that. <laughs> Tyrone Mings is channeling it, but, you know, we were dreadful today as well. I mean, we didn't look like we could do anything else. It was long balls or long throws. That was Aston Villa's approach to the game. Third WhatsApp point, or jeez, <laughs> it feels like a WhatsApp point. Um, third nomination for the Peter Enkelman What the fuck award? You already mentioned this. Courtney Howes' touch, not a great pass for Martinez, but come on, like you know, like well, Courtney Howes' touch could just be a general inclusion in this every weekend. Anyway. <laughs> um, but this one in particular on the left just gets us into so much trouble. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the touch is terrible, but he's also his reaction time to the slightly overhit pass from Martinez. It's like he doesn't realise he should be trying to control it and then he goes for it and then he completely cocks it up. He would have been better off letting it go out for a throw-in. It, like it's, it's, it's absolutely, it, like I've said this a lot already on this podcast, it's absolutely unforgivable. You, you, can't be, you can't be taking a touch that cumbersome when you're playing a professional game of football. <laughs> Fourth nomination. Um, and just think about that left back spot, exact same spot. Think about John McGinn being there. Think about John McGinn once again under hitting a pass. And think about Matt Target just being on his heels, watching this pass, not going anywhere near him. But instead of trying to go and get the ball, he just looks at the Spurs player come in in Dombly. And then Matt Cash proceeds to make the lamest tackle of all time as Dombly just turns in the other direction, walks into the box. And, and then Matt Target, sorry, I think I said Cash here, Target then trundles into the back of him trying his hardest to give away a penalty and he just fails this time <laughs> yeah is that the one in the 14th minute where he decides to go for it about four and a half seconds too late and then still continues to go for it yeah as if he's actually ever going to get there i mean aston villa's left hand side with matt target's pace or lack of it combined with mings's propensity for drifting up the pitch and drifting off to sleep just makes that side of the pitch an absolute disaster. So, 
And that that bit was was so irritating because once again, when Target delays his decision to go for it, Tyrone Mings still isn't alive. He can't even see that Target's not going to get... You've played with him for two years. You know how slow he is. He's not going to get to the ball ahead of fucking Ndombele. Get ready. The ball's coming down your side, Tyrone. Uh, next nomination. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Douglas Louise trying to chip somebody in the center circle. Like this, We've seen this a lot as well. And this was around the 90th minute when Villa are trying to keep the ball and get forward. He just tries to chip it over somebody's head. Spurs come streaming down again. Your anchor is out of position again. This is, this is a couple of minutes after he turns and takes the heaviest touch of all time around the center of the pitch, straight into a Spurs player who comes streaming past him. Again, your anchor is no longer there. This was the one that Tyrone Mings actually has a really good block on the line, which slides in. Um, but Douglas, it all starts with Douglas Louise just trying to. Yeah, it's like the Bertie T thing. It's like, is he playing this game? Like, is he is he playing a different game right now to the one that we're all watching and the one that we want them to play? It feels like it's just. It felt like Derry's trying to have a bit of crack, and the one down in the corner was Sam, where just kept bars into his box. Felt like he's playing a different sport there. Yeah, I think, to be honest, you could just add Douglas Louise to the What the Fuck Award. <laughs> I, I think we'll, we'll be here all night if we start picking out individual moments <laughs> from Douglas Louise's game. Yeah, well, it's going to take some stopping him. I've only got one more nomination. Came up already. Villa finally get the ball back in injury time. Douglas Louise gets it back, gets it to Mings, who has all the space to his right. All of it. The whole pitch is opened up. Let's go. No, no, Tyrone Mings turns back. He actually has to beat a Spurs player to turn back onto his left. And he just fucking lumps it as hard as he can out for a throw-in. Villa don't get the ball back. Game over. <laughs> that, that, that was... That was... Why not end the game like that? Like, you know, that, that was how the game was going all, all along. That was exactly what we were trying to do. Fuck all. Bad decision-making. Terrible execution once you've made that bad decision. Giving the ball back to Spurs. Bending over, I'm waiting to lose the game. I think we're giving this award to Douglas Louise, though, right? Hang on, hang on. Are you not gonna, <laughs> you not gonna mention Emmy Bundia's little cameo in this game? Ah, oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> Taking a fucking corner, the ball coming back to you, and volleying it out of play for a throw-in on the opposite wing in your half. Like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. And there was a frozen pool of vomit outside my front door this morning. <laughs> that was bad. I don't know what he was thinking. I can only imagine he was trying to drill it back in. But he hit it backwards so hard, so true, that it went the whole way out to the other wing, as you say, to the other half. You said he had it too well. Like it was, it was, it was closer to going to Martinez than it was to the, any fucking Villa player in the box. <laughs> that was bad. I was disappointed. You know, like there were a lot of shout to get Buendia on and like listen when Villa equalised and then they were throwing Buendia on. I thought, what a positive sub! Like you know, there's Dean Smith again going across the dance floor to ask another girl out, and uh, you know he was putting he's putting his balls out there by bringing Buendia onto the middle, but. Uh, I want to see more. I want to, I want to see more from Wendia when he's getting that chance. I know it's not getting a lot of opportunities, but it's not like he's getting Donny van de Beek minutes. He's, he's getting time there to affect the game, and you can't... I don't know. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how you defend him. You can't 
be volleying the ball backwards when you're in the opposition box? <laughs> Call me old-fashioned, but I don't <laughs> think he should be doing that. Yeah, like, Emi Bendia had the first two or three games of the season as well, full 90 minutes. He, he, he's got a lot, a lot of improvement to be doing. It's only seven games into the season. I'm sure he'll get better, but it hasn't been a hasn't been a great start. All right, you like you like Liam Whelan take a ninetieth minute penalty award. It was actually um, three years to the day recently enough when that fabled penalty uh, <laughs> happened against Preston, and like that was the night that Steve Bruce lost his job and obviously set set us off on the trajectory that we're now on. Doesn't feel like it right now, but Austin McPhee, get fucking down here! You got enough praise last week, but. I mean, I want to see a bit more variety. Like, do these like every Premier League team watches other Premier League teams? <laughs> <laughs> they all know what other teams are doing. There's no big secret. Like, there's nothing hidden. You can't like you know. The only thing you can hide is what formation or tactics you might spring on a day. Like what sort of set piece you might employ. And Spurs literally had five players. You mentioned how how big some of those players are. They were all on the front post. Now, yeah. I'm not as good at maths as you are, but that leaves a lot of Villa players that should be free somewhere else. And it definitely leaves room for Villa to try someone else, but to whip that ball into that exact area, which works so well for us against Everton, and it works so well for us against United. But there's five white jerseys now there <laughs> between the goals and any Villa shirt and the ball. And they're well set up for it, and we just kicked it into all five of their heads every time. Yeah, I mean, you gave him a Lifetime Achievement Award last week and how quickly that has aged. I mean, you, <laughs> you get away with doing the same thing. Maybe if you're lucky, three games in a row, apart from Leicester, who won the title from Kante winning the ball back, giving it to Drinkwater and playing it over the top to Vardy. So it's it's actually incredible that we went in to this game trying that crowd the goalkeeper and break to the near post corner at all. Yeah, Never mind exclusively. But whenever the game has started and you can see that Spurs are set up for it, that they have five players at the front post, don't do it once, never mind repeatedly. It's it's absolutely bonkers. Like, like, why was Douglas looking? The, the Villa players couldn't get to the front post because they were just being blocked off. Never mind the fact that you're now asking Tyrone Mings to one, win the ball over five Spurs players. He can't get there. There's no space for him to run into and there's another nomination here for Austin McPhee, the second one. After all this time in football, after how much has progressed and how good some of these uh, peace coaches are and how good Austin McPhee's been, can we still not get something more imaginative than lobbing it up towards the left corner from a centre? <laughs> do, do you know when they're kicking off? Or like, like Spurs scored two goals today, Villa came out in the second half with the ball. And the only plan is to roll it back to the centre-backs and we'll lob it up into the left corner there. And that is especially bad when you're rolling it back to Courtney House, who lobs it up out of play for a throw-in. Yeah, I mean, like if that was a good approach to the game, you would just do it all the time, wouldn't you? I mean, why do you do it whenever you're centre and if you wouldn't do it in the course of the game? If Courtney House did that three times in open play, sure, he'd be fucking lambasted. He'd be taken off straight away. Yeah. So why is he allowed to do it whenever there's no Villa players in the Spurs half? Madness. Why did they, like, they roll the dice and just like, 
you know, throw a lot of players forward into the center. Like just every, like get five, six players, sprint towards the box, try and hold the ball for as long as you can, and bang, put it up there. Like you'll you'll drag a pile of Spurs players back early on. Like get the crowd up. It'll might break anywhere. You might leave a lot of space in the middle, but the Spurs jerseys might have retreated back. And then you could have them penned in from the very start rather than just floating it in, into like a right a right back versus a left winger sometimes. Well, like I, I think your idea sounds dreadful, but I mean, if you're going to try that floating it out to the wing, you might as well try that, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we mentioned the playing three at the back against Son. I think that's going to take some beating. The other nomination I have, I've got two more nominations. He's too slow to take off Jacob Ramsey. He he is like we all we're all really impressed with Jacob Ramsey. He's having a really good season. When he's not good, like he's not good, and I don't mean he's he's terrible or anything, but and it's not like the Douglas Louise thing where it's like you know he's going to be shit, get him off. But he needs to make that change more. He's not impacting the game or more quickly. He's not he's not imposing himself. He's making wrong decisions sometimes, and he's just not. You just need a bit more sometimes. Like he's he's only he's like, he just turned twenty. Like he's, he's going to have games like that. He's not going to be able to do it for 40 games throughout a season. So like, just react. You've got one of your record signings on the bench. Get him on to the pitch earlier. Yeah, I, I think you're always far too quick to take a swipe at Ramsey. I mean, why are you so critical of that decision? You're saying it like it was such an obvious decision. Like, like Ramsey was out there on his own having a stinker. They were all comically bad. When you've You've walked into Ringsend Wastewater Treatment Plant, pointed at a single lump of shite bobbing on the surface of thousands of litres of piss, shit and blood and said, oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> they were all fucking dreadful. You could have taken any of them off to single, to single out Ramsey is, is madness, I think. I mean, John McGinn was dreadful. Douglas Louise, we've talked about him. He was diabolical. Playing three at the back could easily have changed. Danny Ings wasn't in the game. There was loads of things we could have changed about that game, and to to just pick on not taking off Ramsey is a little bit strange. I think like John McGinn wasn't great, right? But John McGinn throughout that game still rolls somebody and opens up the the pitch. He finds target who's away on down the left. He he takes a ball in a tighter area. Like sometimes you don't want them doing that all the time. He, he just seems more involved. He seems like he's making stuff happen more, even though he's not having a good game. I feel like the the Ramsey one is more obvious because because he's on the periphery more, and it's like right, well, you're not going to lose anything if you take him out because he's not doing anything, and yeah, he's not playing well. So let's try somebody else. Yeah, yeah, you could you could have tried somebody else. You could have tried say somebody you bring on who takes a corner, the ball comes back to him, and he volleys the ball back out of play in his own half. <laughs> and the, the problem the problem wasn't Jacob Ramsey. The problem was the entire cohesion of the team. And Jacob Ramsey was one of 10 players that played shit. Well, here's one for you. Is, is a 4-2-3-1 really more attacking than a 3-5-2? <laughs> what an underwhelming change that was. I was so happy to see Howes coming off. And it's like, okay, Watkins, you're moving over to the left. Burton Troy, you're on there. Like, and again, now we have... <laughs> <laughs> We're back to having McGinn and Douglas Louise. I would have preferred Ramsey in the in the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is more attacking depending on what your fullbacks are going to be doing. I think it was just about getting Bertrand Trory onto the pitch, whatever the fucking point that that was supposed to be, because he was an absolute non-entity when he came onto the pitch. Like it should be more attacking. 
it, you should be playing Douglas Louise on his own, and McGinn should be pushing further forward, joining in with things. Ah, look, it was a fucking, it was a shambles. It was a waste of time making that change. By that stage, the pattern had been set. Villa were shite. The players were playing with no confidence. They were doing the wrong things, and they were doing it really slowly. I still think the winner is playing three at the back against Sauna, mostly just because we want. <laughs> You know, we, we've talked about Smith being brave before and rolling the dice and loving a roller coaster, but we do want him to back himself a bit more. I think you know, maybe he'll, he'll learn from this now. I think there's an element when a team's playing well, yeah. Like, you, you don't want to... It's it's like you're thinking, if this goes wrong and I've changed it, then I look like an idiot. Don't worry. Like, don't, don't fucking worry about that. Like, do what you think you need to do. You can't... like Live and die by your decisions. Don't live and die by your non-decisions. And, like, it felt like playing the same formation and system w- was bad enough and then like doing the same set pieces as well it was all stemming from this is going well like we, we don't really have a leg to stand on if we've changed it and it, it goes badly you know like just just look at each team like there's a reason why Villa would have spent so much time preparing for Spurs and looking at exactly what Spurs are doing as well to like to then not do anything with that information it's strange, and I hope he just learns from this now to decide I'll take every game on its merits. I, I think he will as well. Either <laughs> Hopefully, if he doesn't learn from this game, oh, I can't play 3-5-2 now because he lost that game. Yeah, That'll yeah. really be telling. Wasn't the game. If 3-5-2 is the right system for the next team, then play it. It wasn't the right system for today's game, and he could have changed that at halftime even as well. I mean, we had three wingers on the bench. He could have used them because target was... Target was all right offensively, but he was just whenever whenever he had to get up there, he can't get back. He can't yeah. run. I mean, the body check was the only positive thing he did from a defensive point of view, where he just <laughs> so cynically took out. I can't remember who it was on the sideline. That was the only defensive contribution he made, and he got yeah. booked for it. So you might as well take him off if that's what the if that's how this game is developing. But he didn't. When he was bringing on Bertie T, I assumed he was bringing him on for Matt Cash because, like, that's that wouldn't have been mad. Like, you know, I know you'd think, Jesus, Matt Cash at right or Bertie T at right wing back, but Cash was so high, like he was so high, he wasn't he wasn't helping with Son anyway. So like, he, like not that we had to keep that formation. Actually, I'm, I'm happy that it did change it, but it was strange and that that was the only then decision. Like, we're getting Bertie T on, then we have to ch- change it now. Like. Again, I want them. I don't, I don't want them changing his formation and his whole tact for every single team. But just taking the consideration that they have Son on the left wing, for example, like that's a big red flag that might make you want to change your shape. Obviously, you still might back yourself to impose whatever you want to do on the game. But yeah, just come on, just just have a bit more flexibility. Yeah, and you know what? The, do you know what the most annoying thing about being so frustrated after this game is? Is whenever we have a performance like last week or a run of the three or four games in a row of of proper performances, because I'm such a loser, because I'm such a pessimist, probably just because I'm an actual Aston Villa fan, I can't enjoy it. I can't enjoy the run. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the the walk back up the hill instead of enjoying the sleigh ride down. Like I'm thinking, yes, this is fucking brilliant. But it's only fun because of how steep this hill is, and I have to carry this fucking heavy sleigh back up it. It's it's only good because we're hammering Man United at Old Trafford, despite the fact that Matt Target can't run, John McGinn can't stop backing it up, trying to bring all the boys to the yard because <laughs> Douglas Louise and Tyrone Mings are due another nap. Like 
so I'm just I'm just thinking of all these things during the good times, and that is so fucking stupid because I know I've got this terrible moment. Now I could have just let this happen, and it was always gonna fucking happen. I didn't have to have that during the what was supposed to be the good times. So my advice is, whenever Aston Villa win a game, fucking enjoy it, boys. <laughs> I think the rest of us were enjoying it, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I actually ended up going back and just watching a few videos, mostly of Emmy Martinez uh, after the United game, <laughs> just to just to think of better days. It were only last week. I'm so I'm so annoyed now as well. It was international break. There's no chance to to get this out of the system. Um, but something that will cheer you up, and I'm only bringing this in because because I know you wouldn't have heard it yet. <laughs> This is the the Ron Saunders, do you want to bet against us, quote of the week. Um, and you're just going to have to tell me who this player is. Um, so he's doing an interview during the week. He said, the truth is that every night I play the PlayStation. Two hours, it's my space, my moment to distract myself. I play Call of Duty with, with my friends. I love that game. I am a murderer. I go out and look for my opponents. I am a killer. What the fuck? It's a villain player. It's obviously Emmy Martin. That's what I'm thinking. Yes, it a is. fucking psychopath. <laughs> Imagine the fucking trash talk that he'd be talking down his headset to some 14-year-old kid in Argentina. <laughs> I'm going to eat you up. <laughs> This is where he hones it. This is how he's so quick off the mic. Only Emmy Martinez would know exactly what to say in that situation when Bruno Fernandes has a penalty. It, it's genius. Anybody else might go up and try and look at him, do the Jed Steers there, has his place, certainly. But no, and, and anybody else might slag Bruno Fernandes. Just fucking dismiss him. Go straight for the mothership. Like, this is, this is the nerve center of Man United. This is the... This is the daddy of Bruno Fernandes and the Portugal team. He's bringing all that in. Fernandes is supposed to own the United team, run the dressing room, and he's tapping into to that psychological weakness now that he has in Ronaldo's presence. It was brilliant. I, I don't know why. Like There you go. I'm see, talking about last week now. See, and I can't even enjoy that because all I was hearing there is like, yes, exactly. React to what is happening on the pitch, to the reality of the world around you. Exactly what we didn't fucking do repeatedly today. Oh, uh, fuck. Um, all right, we'll do the Vyman meter quickly. <sighs> yeah, going up Kanza, maybe. Going up Emmy Martinez, I think, actually. You didn't mention him. Um, just a couple of good saves and didn't do anything wrong. Could have been, the game could have been over if he didn't stop Kane, for example, twice. Um, and the only other person I've gone up, again, in the spirit of Andy Vyman, and <sighs> I'm a bit depressed that this is why I'm putting him up, but Danny Ings twice had a cover at left back. Um, <laughs> the first one obviously was from a Douglas Louise trying a first time like Villa were in attack Doug, like you know in a good position Louise didn't even bother looking at what's happening he just tries a little flick over his shoulder straight into a Spurs player bang Spurs counter attack and it's Danny Ings who must have been further ahead than Douglas Louise gets back the whole way to left back because my target wasn't getting back and uh, he just covers there brilliantly twice yeah he did he, did. he covered brilliantly twice <laughs> 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 do you know what I actually don't like as well Dean Smith talking about 
Ollie Watkins being the best pressing center forward and the like fuck off of that shit. Like we can appreciate Ollie Watkins being good at pressing, but don't label him as the best pressing center for like that's like that's fodder for opposition fans as well. We can remember Solskjaer called Dan James the best defensive winger in the league. Like that's just laughable stuff. Especially for a United player, we want we want their strike. We want to think bigger for an Aston Villa striker who scored so many goals and created so many chances last year. Yeah, we do. Yeah, and we actually want Ollie Watkins to play a lot fucking better than he has last two games. He can do all the press that he wants, but if he's going to have the first touch that he had in the first half of this game, then he can fuck off. <laughs> and Danny Ings, by the way, the stats, the official stats came in, did way more pressing than him in seventy-seven minutes against United than Watkins did. The We'll keep an eye out for the ones coming in from the Spurs. Not that it matters, forget that. Um, going down, Matt Cash left on his arse twice, left Villa completely exposed. Don't know where he was. I would have, would have preferred him to come back into a back five a lot more often to you know, to, to realise that Son is there. Like, Don't just think, oh, happy days, I'll get the hell out of the way here and just let the rest of them deal with it. Um, it was, he's, he's, like, he's looking way better on the ball, apart from when he crosses out of play. But I, I just don't want to see him committing himself to to the extent that he's fallen on his arse, and I don't want to see him way up the pitch when Son's running right over and over and over on his wing. Yeah, so like there has to be some in-game management from the players from time to time. They have to react, and they can sometimes even ignore the manager's instructions because they, whenever you're playing, you can feel what's actually happening on the pitch. You can feel and sense what the danger is. You can hear Konza balling you out repeatedly because you're out of position. You can get fucking back, and you can try and sit in every once in a while. You're right to say that he's, he looks a lot better on the ball. He's a lot more confident in skipping past people as well, which is brilliant. But today, yeah, he has to he has to react to what's happening. I, I think Villa need uh, uh, someone that they can lean on as well. Like you know, Our biggest fears from, say, last year was that they didn't have that player to control things when things got manic. Um it's, it's sort of the same, not really to an extent. Like they just they started off so well today, and then just seemingly when Spurs got a bit of control in the game, Villa forgot how to play the way they're supposed to play. And I, I don't know if, if it is just something as simple as like having target and cash tuck in, see out a storm, have the three midfielders talking a bit more. I, I don't know what the answer is, but I would just prefer Villa to be able to just call on something that they know they can tap into, like especially after you've score the equalizer don't concede three minutes later you know like, and that's where i even want cons like cons is so loud and it's great i want him just dragging cash back and deal with dean smith afterwards and changing him <laughs> because he needs to be taking control physically of some of these players as well never mind just mentally like villa's problem is that with the three center midfielders that they have they can't tighten up <laughs> the three of them are absolutely brilliant and they're a joy to watch and whenever Villa have the ball, it, it can be exhilarating because they can play brilliant football. They were fucking a long way away from that today. And whenever they don't have that, that really exposes how poor they can be defensively. And that will be a persistent problem when they're not on top of the game. Skip, Hjoyberg and Dombley is a really, really fucking strong centre midfield as well. So if you let those boys get on top of you, you're going to be in trouble and you're going to be running back towards your own goal a lot. <sighs> Going down, Bertie T again. Want, want more from him when he gets a shot? Like they're all like most of them are going down. Anybody we haven't mentioned is going down. It was yes. a terrible day. 
I was just about to say, what are we going to do here? Just name the other 11 players that came onto the pitch. Like, fuck me. Yes, Bertrand Terori was an absolute waste of time. So were the rest of them. Let's get off the fucking vitamin meter. Yeah, waste of time. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Um, is Jurgen Klopp a fucking madman or what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Very admirable of him, but like, you know, he's just getting involved in the in the vaccine chat. And we know that a lot of the players and stuff aren't vaccinated. You know what? I'll just, I'll just, I'll just play what I had to say. So, but I, I don't understand. Maybe I'm a little bit naive. But I don't understand 100% why we are not allowed to to give advice. So, why it sounds like if I say I, I'm vaccinated. So, and I, other people say, how can you say you are vaccinated? How can you tell me I should be vaccinated? I, I explain it for myself. A little bit like drink driving. Means. We all probably were in a situation where we had a beer or two and thought we still could drive. But after law, we are not allowed to drive anymore, so we don't drive. But this this law is not there for protecting me when I drank two beer and want to drive. It's there for protecting all the other people because I'm drunk or pissed and want to drive a car. I don't take the vaccination only to protect me. I, I take the vaccination to protect all the people around me. And I don't understand where that is a, a, a limitation of freedom. Because if it is, if it is, then not being allowed to drink and drive is a limitation of freedom as well. But we accept that. We are not allowed to ask people if they are vaccinated. But am I, I'm allowed to ask a, a taxi driver, are you drunk? And he said, well, I don't have to tell you. And I said, okay, then I don't drive with you. So no problem. Yeah, so we're like very funny, <laughs> and um, you know, fair play to him. Maybe I'm a weaker man than Jurgen Klopp, but uh, it's just such a divisive topic. Is like I wouldn't go anywhere near it. I'll give you an example. In the in the GAA world, Tyrone got the All Ireland Football Championship pushed back because a lot of people got COVID, and like they were being <laughs> they were being hounded. Then how did you get COVID? I was thinking. Pretty fucking lay off them. Like, like the Premier League has been shut down. It can get into the Tyrone GA camp. You know, like the bigger <laughs> sports than the GA have fallen victim to COVID. Um, turned out then a lot of the players weren't vaccinated, so then people were like, Well, you only have themselves to blame, and the GA have bent over backwards, changed the calendar for Tyrone. And I was thinking, I need to write a piece on this. And I didn't. <laughs> 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 because I thought, why would I do that to myself? You know, fair enough. Might have been a moral high ground. It might have helped some people understand. It might have might have taken a bit of heat off their own. But I didn't want to put myself into that crossfire. <laughs> and I haven't I haven't checked. Crop Crop's obviously getting a lot of kudos. But I'm sure there's half the country, maybe not half, but it's such a divisive topic that I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, stick their football mood. <laughs> yeah, like fair fair play the Klopp for sticking his head above the parapet and not being a reductive, boring, media-trained arsehole. I mean, you could say, and I'm sure people have said, stick to football, but I'd rather ask your pals in the media to stick to football if they're going to ask him those questions, and I'm I'm glad he's answering. I'm sure if you asked one of the players, they would just say something like, the vaccination program is a game of two halves. We just <laughs> need to keep our heads down, work hard, get stuck in, try to get one or two shots. <laughs> <laughs> um, when 
what month of the year do you think Claudio Ranieri will get sacked? <laughs> 17 managers in 10 years for Watford. Like, you know what? Jesus. It's a fucking joke. They've gotten seven points, I think, so far. They're going all right. They're not in the relegation zone. They're, they've won two games, one against Villa, one against Norwich. Like, they're, they're big rivals. They haven't played, like, they haven't lost in Newcastle, so I'd say they're, they're a team in around them as well. As long as they don't lose to them, that's good. They haven't played Brentford yet. I know Brentford are going well, you know, but they still maybe target that. They haven't played... Who, like, who else? They haven't played Burnley yet. They haven't played Arsenal. They haven't played like any of those teams that'll be down around them. <laughs> and they just bang, whipped, got rid of the manager. The manager who came in late last year got them promoted and uh, he's gone just just about October. I would still say September. Yeah, you're right. They are going all right. What the, the press release said was words to the effect of performances strongly indicate a negative trend. <laughs> They drew and won their previous two games to the defeat there after before the defeat. Like yes, they have a lower win percentage in the first seven games in the Premier League than they had in the Championship. If that's what you mean, and like this is a statement made by somebody with all the statistical noise of someone that uses a hot day as proof of climate change, or wakes up with a stiff back and decides that this is the beginning of the slow march towards death. Like former. Former Late Late Show host and honorary chairman of the Road Safety Authority and well-known statistician Gay Byrne would announce every year that road deaths have decreased 15%. This is a positive trend. And the following year, road deaths are up 10%. This is a worrying trend. That's not the trend, is it, Gay? (laughs) The trend is that since the 90s, road deaths have fallen dramatically and the rate of decrease is reduced. And we could be reaching a plateau or trough and there's a bit of oscillation around those numbers. But we'll not know that for a few years. Like, we won't know if Watford are any good until after maybe at least 15 or 16 games. <laughs> you see, this is where support in Aston Villa takes you. You end up fucking thinking and talking about road deaths on a football podcast. <laughs> I, I just think... You know, obviously they wanted to get rid of the manager. Like if that's clear, you don't give somebody seven games and then decide to pull the trigger after they've done all right. They, they, they lose one 0 to Leeds. That's your smoking gun. That that's your. <laughs> so if he did want to get rid of him, like that's weird enough. But I know people have like say the Brighton example. Like Brighton took a bit of heat for getting rid of Chris Hutton and um, Southampton all those years ago when they brought in Pochettino. Like that's that's the example that people might use to say, well, like you can get better. Then just do it in the summer. Bring that manager in anyway. And you know, I, I don't know he's won a league, but maybe that manager isn't Claudio Ranieri, who is not going to be the hero for Watford. I'm sorry to say. No, he's not. I mean, like he he won the league, and it was an absolutely incredible achievement. But he has had a patchy career either side. <laughs> to be fair to him, it's the greatest achievement in the history of the league. But it's. It's yeah to say that to think that he's the answer is is fanciful. I'd say. Now we all again have to remember to delete this recording of the podcast whenever he does what he did at Leicester, takes over from Nigel Pearson and wins the league. But I think it's madness and getting rid of Nigel Atkins for Pochettino because they had Pochettino. That's who they wanted. This doesn't seem like they want the Claudio Ranieri isn't somebody that you're you're desperately trying to get rid of your manager to get in. Yeah. Like there's no way that that's that that's what how you should be thinking. It's like Jesus Christ, we have to sack our manager. Claudio Ranieri is available. Yeah, is he ever not available? 
<laughs> you know, if you want them, just go get them. Like it's like Alan Kirby <laughs> sitting there, ready to be plucked. Uh, but look, it can always be worse. Um, it's a bad day at the office, but we're not Watford. And you know what? A lot of you might not be Irish fans as well. That's something we have to go and enjoy now for the next week. We'll enjoy a brick from Aston Villa, but uh, spare a thought. Any non-Irish fans out there? Fellow Irish fans, I'm sorry. Let's just get into it. We'll get stuck into it and we'll go through another culture war. <laughs> that is the Republic of Ireland football team. Oh, Wolves next at home. We'll see after that. Best of luck. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.